Welcome to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Boyson inviting you to listen to our latest podcast, episode number 910, with author Derek Richardson about his new book entitled Go Play, The Ultimate Roadmap to Winning the Game of Life. This podcast number 910 is brought to you by Jan Phillips, author of a new book entitled Still on Fire, Field Notes from a Queer Mystic. If you want to know more about Jan and her new book, please visit her website at www.janphillips, that's www.janphillips.com. And now for our featured podcast, please listen to my interview with author Derek Richardson about his new book entitled Go Play, The Ultimate Roadmap to Winning the Game of Life. Happy listening. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Boyce, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And joining me from Cleveland, Ohio, is Derek Richardson. And we're going to be speaking about his new book called Go Play and the Ultimate Roadmap to Winning the Game of Life. This is a very small book, as you can see, listeners, but it's also quite impactful. Um, It's not in the number of words you write. It's in how good you write. Uh, And I will say Derek did a great job with that. So Derek, uh, thanks for being on Inside Personal Growth and spending a few minutes with us. I'm going to let my listeners know a little bit about you. He's the president and CEO of Richardson Marketing Group. Uh, It's a marketing firm uh, specifically designed to increase customer acquisition efforts of insurance agents. Uh, Derek's also a partner in an insurance agency is the acting COO of Freedom Direct LLC. 2016, both businesses moved into a call center in Columbus, Ohio, and employees enjoy excellent pay, full benefits, ping pong, foosball, video, game game nooks. Uh, so he's got it all going on. Uh, he's extremely active in the community. He sits on several boards and volunteers his time wherever he can. Derek has all been committed to developing people. So that's what this book is all about, whether it be kids, his coaching during more than 20 years of coaching career, young professionals he managed and trained, the kids he mentioned in and out of the classroom because he was a classroom teacher as well. Uh, Derek and his wife, Desiree, have four kids and a granddaughter already. Wow, that is pretty impressive bio. Thank you. And for my listeners. Yeah. Go, go out and get the book, Go Play. We'll put a link to Derek's um, website, and it's pretty easy. It's D-E-R-Y-C-K. That part is the toughest part. The Richardson part <laughs> is pretty easy. <laughs> R-I-C-H-A-R-D-S-O-N. No problem there. We'll definitely be able to get that one uh, in. And also to Amazon. We'll put a link to Amazon to get the book. Is there is there an audio book yet or no? There is. Okay. Uh, there is an audio book. It is not uh, out on Amazon yet because I just recorded it, but okay. it will be uh, maybe by the time the listeners have a chance to to Google it. So, yeah, Great. it will be out there very soon. Very good. Very good. Well, Derek, if you would tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. I know I gave a real broad brush view, but there is a more depth to you than just what I read on the back of that. Um, and why you were so compelled to write this book now. Um, I know you have many reasons for wanting to write it. And I always ask right. the authors this. It's like, hey, writing a book is not an easy thing in most cases. Um, right. You know, I have writers, it takes teams of people to get books done. 
tell us why and and what your purpose is. So you know, it, it's a funny thing that you ask that because the book is called Go Play, right? It's it's literally about going and playing. When we're kids and mom is cooking dinner, uh, she says, go play. And we don't ask for any instructions. We don't say, are we going to go play with Legos, mom? Are we going to go knock on Johnny's door? Are we going to go shoot hoops in the driveway? She literally just says, go play, right? Get out of here. And really the book is about doing that in life. So uh, you know, I, I wrote a book because simply that's what I wanted to do at the time. <laughs> and I, and I kind of go through my life that way, right? If I want to be a teacher, let's go be a teacher. Uh, you know, if I want to start a, an insurance agency, let's go start it. If I want to write a book, let's go do it. If I want to run for office, if I want to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that's really what the book is about because as adults, we're just not doing that um, on a regular basis, specifically when it comes to careers and entrepreneurship. Um, but yeah, a little well, bit about me. Go ahead. Well, we all know that play is what creates creativity, right? And obviously 100%. without that play, uh, you stifle your ability to be creative. And most entrepreneurs quote at one point in their life were creative. Um, a lot of times they lose that going down the path. Um, and it's because they become conditioned and the business gets bigger and they get all the problems with it. And I would say many of them frequently forget how to play. How do you remember to play when you get into this position? You just got to make sure that you, you're never bored. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you read the bio about our office here, you know, ping pong, pool tables, foosball tables, uh, video game nooks. I mean, uh, we, we want to make sure that our employees aren't bored. Uh, we want to make sure that they're having fun in a sort of a recess type environment. I think that at recess, we were very creative uh, when we were in grade school. Uh, and then we had to come back and do the work, right? And, you know, do your math and do your your science and your and your writing and stuff like that. So we want to make sure that we are uh, always in an environment to where we can be creative, be loose, be childlike. Uh, there is a, a psychology behind why our office is how it is. Um, and that's the way that, that I operate. I operate best in this in this facility. Um, you know, during COVID, obviously, people were working from home and, and we shut down for a while. And I found myself feeling confined uh, being at home and, and not being able to sneak away and and just have myself and my thoughts over a game of, of, of eight ball, right. Um, or nine ball. So, um, you know, I think that we have to remember that I think at heart, everybody is very elementary. I think we try to put on this persona that I'm this big business guy, or, you know, I'm this big, you know, business professional or whatever, but I mean, by ourselves at home. I mean, we kind of giggle at silly stuff, right? <laughs> All yeah, of, us, so. of course. <laughs> so, so, you know, so if we keep that, you know, at the forefront of our mind, I think that it helps us to to just remember to be creative and remember to be childlike. And it uh, doesn't mean that we're uh, we're not smart, right? We're, we're very intelligent beings, but it just means that we can have some fun and, and keep it light. Well, you know, you, you mentioned this and you said one of the things you heard growing up was go play. And it was a go play, guys. Dinner will be ready shortly is yeah. what your mom used to say. And you obviously uh, love to play. And if you would reflect on these were times that were really most memorable to you in life. I mean, you have some great memories of this. And one of them is about a game called throw ball uh, with a little, uh, I guess it, it seemed like maybe a, a building behind it or something that you were trying to get the bill into. Um, yeah. Throw ball is a game that you made up and how this influenced your life. Just the fact that you were able to play, that you were able to come up with some fun games, that all the kids liked it. You had a buddy named Greg. I remember reading in the book. That's my name. So I remember that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, 
So tell us a little more about that. You know, it's so funny because throw ball just reminds me to, to speak up when you have an idea. I mean, how many times have we said, you know, I thought about that first, right? Or that was my idea. Or how many times have we had ideas that we just don't act on? Um, this is a sort of exaggerated, but throw ball essentially is Olympic handball. I didn't know that because I had never seen Olympic handball played. Um, but what I did know is that we had a shed that had a door. We had some kids in the backyard and we had one of those just plastic balls that you get in the bin at Walmart or Kmart or your local grocery store. And we were bored. And so we decided to put a goalie in the shed, the door of the shed, and we decided to throw the ball and see if we could make it in the goal. And it became this, you know, elaborate game that we played for years. We had throw lines. You couldn't pass the line. You know, obviously it's sort of half court because we didn't have a full court in the backyard. We just had one shed door. So you had to return the ball once the defense got the ball to switch it to offense. It was pretty elaborate. And we had this plan to make this game a, you know, a professional game. It was going to be the next big thing. And I'll never forget the, the first time I watched the Olympic handball. I said, that's my game. We played that growing up. Like, what are they doing? I called my cousin. I said, hey, man, turn on NBC. Right now they're playing throw ball. He's like, uh, I think that's called handball. I was like, oh. <laughs> Same game. Same game. Same but, you know, game. it just reminded me that, uh, you know, my brain, whoever came up with throw ball, I'm sorry, whoever came up with Olympic handball, uh, just had an idea at one point, and her uh, idea made it to the Olympics, and that just reminds me that my ideas also are worthy of making it to the Olympics or to boardrooms or to the White House or to whatever, right? It just gives me the confidence to know that uh, that my brain is also powerful. Well, you know, it's interesting. I walk my dogs through a park, and the, the girls and the guys, young people, we're talking 13, 14, 15 years old, are always playing soccer. And I always love watching the goal practice. Yeah. Uh, because what happens is you'll get a line of girls. This was yesterday, actually, for me. One girl's got the mitts on and the whole nine yards, and she's trying to protect the goal. And she's got all these girls, girl after girl after girl after girl, just running and kicking this ball into the goal, or hopefully she's stopping it from getting into the goal. And I just think about in life that practice, because one of the things we'll talk about here a little bit later is practice, how practice really makes you good. And, yeah. you know, um, in each of your chapters, you start off with Dr. Seuss quote. And on the chapter on attitude, the quote is, I've heard there are troubles of more than one kind. Some come from ahead and some come from behind. But I've brought a big bat. I'm ready to see how my troubles are going to have troubles with me. Speak with us, what about the importance of attitude and mindset? as it relates to your challenges in my, in life? You know, um, my, my father is a psychologist. And growing up, I think that, you know, the worst punishment for me was having to sit down and talk to my dad. I'd rather be, my mom was one of those that went off and she'd grab a, a switch or a belt, right? But my dad was the one that he sat you down and he, and he made you talk it out. What I learned from, the, from those punishments, though I hated them, uh, was that I am in control even when I think that I'm not in control, right? Um, I mean, I have a, a drill that I do now, and I did it with my kids when, they, when they're young. And that drill is, can you raise your right hand? And if you can raise your right hand, that means your brain is still in control of your body and you are still in control, you know? It's the same thing as breathe, right? Breathe, breathe. Um, but, you know, that quote is important because, you know, my problems are going to have problems with me, you know, because I am, uh, you know, in position to 
to solve problems. I'm in position to handle those problems. And I have a history of solving problems and a history of being a good problem solver. Um, so when problems come my way, you know, I'm ready, I'm prepared, right? And you have to have the attitude and the mindset that everything is a life lesson. If you go through something once, when you go through it again, it should be much easier because you've been there before, you've seen it before, uh, much like a playbook. You know, that's why that's why you practice in the summer when you play football. The Super Bowl was played in February, but these guys were practicing uh, in June, July, and August. And that's why, because they want to make sure that they see every situation and know how to handle every situation. And very much it's the same thing with, with attitude and mindset. Yeah, I remember uh, an old quote, which I'm sure you remember from Zig Ziglar. He said, it's not your aptitude that determines your altitude, it's your attitude. And, you know, the reality is, is that when you can overcome almost anything by a shift in mindset, I'll just call the mindset, the, the mindset, the attitude. And, you know, when your parents sit down and talk to you and you were having those discussions with your father, it was about getting you to shift your perspective about how you saw the world. And he did a good job of that because you turned out great. Now, in your chapter on practice, which we were just talking about, uh, you state to excel as anything you need to practice. Um, Totally. I believe, you know, I believe in that. I'm helping a gentleman uh, as we speak. Uh, write a book. He's climbed Everest uh, two or three times, all the highest seven summits. And I get the pleasure of interviewing people like Nims, who climbed all the highest 14 seven summits in the world. When you talk about practice and you look at their checklists, uh, you'll see when you go on a 45 to 60 day expedition, how prepared these gentlemen are. And most of them are gentlemen, there's a few ladies to go up above 8,000 meters, okay? Um, so we're talking 26,000 feet, above above 26,000 to 28,000. Right. And, you know, right. this whole practice thing is about practicing that. How much practice? You think about a mountain climber. Those guys are, are climbing peaks here in Colorado at 14,000 feet to practice, to get there, to acclimate. And we understand the acclimation pro- process. And what advice would you have to inspire people to keep practicing so that they can get what they really love in life right? Well, you know, I had a uh, an old basketball coach. He unfortunately passed away uh, last Ow. year. Ow. Uh, no, not Al. Oh, Al, no. Al is, Al. no. No, 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 no. Um, I had an old basketball coach. Uh, named Graham Bill Waiters. He, he was sort of a local legend here in, in Columbus, Ohio. Um, and, uh, and, and he always said, practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes preparation, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I, I've instilled that in my life ever since I was a little kid. Um, and, and when I heard that the first time, it was powerful uh, at nine or 10 years old. And the reason why I say that you have to practice things is because you, you know, I just said it, when, when you see a situation, you're able to, to be comfortable in that situation, knowing that you've seen it before. That's why these guys who are climbing, you know, at uh, 8,000 meters, I mean, they've seen it before, they've breathed it before, they've, they've practiced this before, they've, they, they don't panic because it's not new to them. And so if we, if we go through life and we actually do things with purpose and with intent and, and we practice, if I'm going to go to an interview for a big job and I practice that interview, that I can't be thrown off by the questions that are asked. Uh, if I'm in a, a sales training and, and my first presentation, 
Uh, I can't be thrown off if I practice that sales pitch, if I've done a mock call or a mock presentation. Um, same thing with, with anything in life. I can't, I just can't be thrown off if I practice. Uh, I am very weird in the fact that I talk to myself out loud, audibly. Uh, every morning when I brush my teeth, uh, when my wife and I were dating, she probably thought I was crazy and she probably wanted to run. Um, but when I brush my teeth, I talk to myself and sort of prepare myself for the day. What do I have to do today? Have I seen it before? If I haven't seen it before, how can I prepare for what I'm about to see? Uh, and the reason why I talk to myself audibly is because it sort of enhances the senses because I'm listening to myself. I'm verbally speaking it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm soaking up the information audibly. Uh, and it's just a, a thing that I've done for a very long time. But I mean, you have to practice in anything you do. I mean, you would never see an NBA team go out without practicing. You would never see a politician uh, give a speech without practicing, right? I mean, you just would not see a professional do their trade without practicing. So then why I'm do glad, we go through? I'm glad you had professional it? to that because I have seen yeah. plenty of politicians go out without yeah, yeah, practicing. Yeah. As I was saying, as I was saying, I said, well, "Wait a minute, that's not true." <laughs> professional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. the word professional is really important. In other words, yeah. becoming uh, really good at your practice as a salesperson. Uh, as a dad, that takes practice. As being a good husband, that takes practice. And knowing when you, you need to make a shift, a course correction. Um, and you, you say it's never too late to become the person you always wanted to be. To me, this is around course correction. People have been living lives, a lot of people, uh, that are not really what they want, right? Uh, but yet they keep doing the same thing. And as Albert Einstein uh, said, expecting different results. And that's the definition of insanity. Um, right. You know, what are the crucial steps in making that happen? In other words, in your estimation, changing the course correction, uh, knowing that it, it's not too late. And you have them listed in the book, actually. Yeah, there's several different things that we can do. But but again, I keep going back to, you know, intent and purpose. I mean, that's just so, so powerful. If you're going to do something, do it. You know what I mean? And if you're not going to do something, don't do it. Uh, and we see people uh, all the time in their in their careers who are mentally checked out. So the job isn't getting done at 100 uh, percent because they haven't quite made the decision to leave and they haven't quite made the decision to stay. Right. So they, so, so they're, they can't be a hundred percent because they're not even thinking about the, the task at hand. Um, but you got to write out a plan. You got to make sure that, uh, okay, if this is what I want to do, if this is my task, it has to be on paper. Uh, and then you have to write out the plan, right? You have to, you have to come up with the playbook of how to actually get to where you want to be. You're going to envision yourself there. You're going to act like that person. I mean, you literally, if you want to go, uh, I'll take an example, be an author. I didn't just pick up a pen and start writing, right? I said, you know what? I want to write a book. And what I did was I studied how to write a book, mm -hmm. how to get a publishing deal. I mean, you, these are the things that we have to do, but sometimes we just don't do that. We say, oh no, that task is too big. I can never be an author, right? I can never be uh, a CEO of a company. I could never, et cetera, et cetera, right? So write it down, study it, research it, start to act like that person and just go get it done. Just go do it. We're only here for relatively a short time. And if we spend those years doing something that we don't want to do, it's going to be a miserable time. So I would rather have it be a fun time, a light time. Uh, you know, you never work a day in your life if you love what you do, right? So start right. doing things that you love so that you're not so miserable for the remaining years that you're on this earth.
Well, it's interesting you talk about writing a book. I've written two, and one of them, uh, just before the second one, I enrolled in Michael Hyatt's course. Uh, okay. Really quite an interesting guy to help me write the book. And I was surprised with the instruction that was given, uh, how quickly I was able to actually complete the book. Yeah. Uh, and as we know, it takes a commitment every day to write. You know, in other words, if it's two hours, if it's one hour, whatever it is, you have to stick to it. Because if you start writing and then you stop, what happens is the the, the part that distracts you from writing takes over and you don't ever get it completed. That's right. That's um, right. You uh, told me when we started this interview that you had a story you wanted to tell. Um, I said the beaver and his goals, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and you said that wasn't your story, but right. that, but that you have a story you'd like to tell. Can can you relate to the listeners? Because this is uh, this one was around goal setting, and I think goal setting is really important. Well, goal setting is is very important, um, and. and- everybody talks about goal setting and, and writing down benchmarks and, and checking off those benchmarks. I mean, I operate uh, very old school. I, I literally have a, uh, a pad here every single day. Um, and then I don't get to leave until everything is checked off of this pad. Uh, you know, those are goals for the day, right? And if I don't accomplish those goals, I don't get to go home. So as an entrepreneur, I need to make sure that I'm my own boss. And, and those are some of the things that I do. But the reason why I wanted to change uh, the story um, is because Goal setting is easy, or at least it's, it's, we say it all the time. It's, it's an easy concept to grasp. The story of the lumberjack is not quite so easy. It's something that we probably all struggle with. Uh, and it's something that, that will continue to help us elevate through life in whatever situation we're trying to elevate in. And the story of the lumberjack is, is pretty unique because he's, he's the best lumberjack that there ever was. He's the LeBron James of lumberjacks, right? I'm in Ohio. Um, and one day he says, you know what? I'm, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm, I'm time to retire. I've, I've gotten all the awards that I needed to. My wife wants me to sit and drink lemonade on the porch with her. And so he does. He retires from the timber mill and he's sitting there drinking his favorite beverage with his wife. And he says, you know what? That fire, uh, to, to, to chop down trees, that fire to be the best lumberjack out there is still in, uh, alive inside of me. And so he goes back to the timber mill and he says to the manager, Hey, uh, I want to come back. Retirement's not for me anymore. And I'll make you a promise. That promise is that I'm not going to do this haphazardly. I'm going to come out and be the best lumberjack that I've always been. Uh, I'll remain number one on the charts when it comes down to chopping down trees. And of course, the manager welcomes him back with open arms. And if the normal lumberjack brings home 12 to 13 trees a day, this guy is bringing home 15, 16, 17 trees uh, because his desire and his, his grit is just so great that he wants to be number one. Uh, but eventually what happens is, you know, two, three, four weeks down the line, he's right on the same level as these other kids. Uh, he's bringing 10, 11 trees back. Uh, and, and eventually a month, two months later, uh, he's not at the top of the board anymore. Uh, seven, eight trees, six trees. And he goes to the manager and he says, I promise you that fire is still there. I don't know what's going on, but I'll, I'll figure it out. Uh, I am giving you a hundred percent. I promise you that. And the manager looks at him and says, you're very busy chopping down trees. I see you working hard, but when's the last time you sharpened your ax <laughs> and you have to sharpen your ax in this world. So we can write down our goals and we can get to where we want to get to. Right. But if we stay there and if we stay complacent, it's going to be very hard to get to the next level. 
uh, we have to remind ourselves to sharpen our axe. And Zig says it in not so many words. He says, uh, people say motivation doesn't last. Well, neither does bathing. That's why we take showers every day, right? Uh, that's Zig's quote, but it's the same premise, right? You got to continue to motivate yourself every day. You got to continue to uh, to read personal development or listen to personal development. I see you're a reader with all the books behind you, and, and you read my book in a relatively short time. Uh, but you have to continue to to sharpen your axe. And the world is changing so fast these days in business with technology. I mean, if you don't sharpen your axe when it comes to social media, I mean, you're I don't know how your business can grow unless you hire somebody young to do it for you, right? Um, but I mean, right. you have got to uh, continue to to learn and grow and sharpen your axe in every situation that you're in 100%. Well, you know, this show is an interesting outcome from that. Um, You know, I think I told you this, I had quite the career in uh, the financial services, life insurance business. I was MDRT and I used to go to the million dollar roundtable meetings and hear the guys speak. And I'd come home and I'd share it with my kids. And I was always pumped up and I was, I'd come back and I'd hear Zig Ziglar. I'd hear, Uh, Just you name it. I heard everybody because I was constantly going to those meetings and being inspired. And my son says to me, he says, dad, you know, you just, you really love this and you want to sustain it. And this goes 15 years ago. Uh, He was, uh, I forget exactly what his age was at that time, but he's now 40. So let's say he was in his twenties, right? Yeah. 25. He says, let's, do a podcast. And I was like, podcast, what the hell's a podcast? Yeah. Uh, and he said, you should do a podcast. And here I am 15 years later from what he helped me do and get together uh, that started off very small. My first uh, interview was with Larry Wilson, the king of selling, Wilson oh, wow. Learning. And oh, wow. uh, he was the guy who founded Consultative Selling. Uh, and so you know, I, I look at the path that I've been on and I look at people and I say, look, I'm putting out, you know, 900 plus podcasts now, opportunity for you guys just to listen, even if you only listen for 10 minutes, but yeah. take some ideas away from the podcast, just like this one. You know, that's how you keep yourself sharp. That's you right. want to sharpen your axe, continue to be curious and look for ways to circumvent the obvious and make the invisible visible better, right? 100%. So that's that's what got me here. Um, Derek, you had a sales manager I, mistake. I said earlier, I thought that was the basketball, yeah. but his yeah. name was Al. Al. His name was Al. There's the Al and we're talking Al about. Al has a concept of writing a book entitled, It's Always Halftime. What is the importance of analyzing what happens in the first half of the game and how will this strategy help us in real life? Because there's a book out there called halftime for guys like me, Yeah. right? Because you're looking at your life, you're going through it. And I don't even know if mine's halftime anymore. I'm going to be 68 in July. So, <laughs> so, so maybe I'm beyond halftime, right? Depending if I lived to 120, yeah, it's halftime. Um, hey, that's right. But you gotta, you you basically have to reassess things. And I think um, speak with our listeners about your sales manager saying it's always halftime and what that really meant for you. Sure, it, it's it's so funny because Al uh, did finish his book. 
he did not title it halftime. <laughs> so his book is is called The Sales Floor. I believe it's in editing right now. I, I was honored uh, and I had the pleasure to write the foreword uh, to that book. Um, and, and so people look out for The Sales Floor by Al Garcia coming out shortly. Uh, but you know what? It, it, it's just the way that I, I was brought up. Again, having a psychologist as a dad, I think that we were taught how to think and to analyze um, I didn't realize when I was in my young 20s that not everybody thinks and analyzes it. I mean, that's why there's a lot of people that make a lot of stupid decisions over and over and over again. Um, but when Al told me that if you if you think of every minute, every situation is halftime, that means you're constantly looking at the first half, making adjustments to go out to play a better second half. Mm-hmm. So you can do that in in your 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 lifetime like what have i done i'm 40 so what have i done over the last 40 years let's analyze that what can i do to to have the next 40 years be even better i can do that for the year what happened last year how can i analyze that okay let's make adjustments let's have a better year this year the month the week the day the sales call what happened on the last sales call okay let's make some adjustments let's analyze that let's move forward and have a better sales call this relationship, this, I mean, we can go on and on and on and on, but if you're always analyzing and learning from the past, then, then tomorrow should always be better than today. And today should always be better than yesterday. And that's continuous growth, continuous improvement. And so when he uh, was telling me that he had this, this idea for this book called halftime around the same premise, I was like, man, that's how I've grown up. I've always analyzed situations. I've taken uh, losses as lessons. Uh, try to analyze it, dig deep and figure out where it went wrong or where it went right and take the things that went right and add to those and take things that went wrong and get rid of those. And, and everything I do, try to move forward. And it's just like a coach making halftime adjustments. I mean, if you can live every day as if it's halftime, uh, you'll have a pretty good, uh, pretty good life moving forward. That's a great uh, analogy. And Al definitely had an impression on you. You can tell. And yeah. obviously somebody coming in at halftime, whether it's a football game, a basketball game, soccer game, and reassessing what went right, what went wrong, and looking at what you can do moving forward, you know? And I think it's real interesting because you talked about sales, this sales book that's coming out that Al's got, and I'm going to ask you for a referral to probably Mr. Garcia. Sure. Um, and and I had the guy on from Franklin Covey, uh, Dale Merle. And Dale and Frank Covey wrote a book called Strikingly Different Selling. And you know what the fact is, is that the salespeople believe, if you ask a salesperson after the presentation, how'd you do? They'll go, yeah, I I nailed it. I nailed it, right? Right. And here's what really they found out. Because they asked the the vendor, the clients, the people that are buying, only 17% of the time, were, was that person relevant, meaningful, and distinct, different? They Otherwise, they say it was a waste of time because everybody yeah. that came through the door sounded the same, whatever. And, you know, when you think about that, that's like, wow, that's crazy. They did a study with of these big companies where people were coming in, making presentations, telling them the last guy sounded just like the guy before and yeah. the guy before that and the guy before that. And by the way, this was the biggest freaking waste of my time. I say be strikingly different, do something different in that presentation. You know, in chapter eight on embrace the assist, you speak about the analogy of being unselfish when you know a teammate is in a position to make a better shot than you. We see this happen 
you know, there was just recently, and I think it was in Ohio. I'm not certain, but I just watched it. Um, this young man who was developmentally disabled, they let him come in the last game, right? Like this happens yeah. a lot. Did you yeah. see it? I did, yeah. He made four three-pointers. In a row. In like a row. Butter. Like butter. Yeah. Like right? butter. Right? Yeah. And, you know, and they saw the other teammates from the other team actually giving him the ball, even though they know they were they were down. I mean, yeah. that other team was down because they got into the emotion of it, right? The whole thing of, you know, this developmentally disabled guy who'd never been out there, but yet he practiced over and over and over again. Yes, he did. Those three pointers. What advice yes, would you did. give the listeners about getting out of her ego and embracing the assist? Because that is a great example of people getting out of their ego and saying, oh, no, we got to win the game. And the other team going, no, we don't have to win the game. We want to give this guy a moment. Right. Yeah. It was it was phenomenal story, wasn't it? It was, it was, and I'm going to mess this quote up and I'm sure you've heard it. So, so please correct me and, and exactly verbatim how it's, how it's said. But um, I think it was uh, Steve Jobs, his CFO was talking to Steve Jobs and says, Hey, we're giving these guys too much training. You know, what happens if, uh, what happens if they leave, right? We're making them too smart for their own good. What happens if they leave? And, and Steve Jobs says, well, what happens if we don't train them and they stay, you know, um, <laughs> uh, it, it's, 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 it's one of those things, you know, I always operate that I want the best teammates around me. Um, one of the, one of the awards that we're proud of is the best place to work in Columbus, Ohio. We've been in the top, uh, 10, three years in a row. We have a number one, uh, award in there as well. So, um, it's one of those things that, you know, I want my guys to be the best. It's up to me to make sure that they stay, right? That's my job to make sure that they stay. Uh, but I want the best people on my team. Um, we have, guys here with with different businesses uh, on the side that I'm helping them with as an entrepreneur. Uh, we have guys here with websites and they take some time out of their day that you know we're paying them for uh, to work on their own websites and things like that. I want my guys sharp. I want my team around me sharp. I mean, you are the average of your five closest people. I spend a lot of time in this office with, with my employees and if they're not sharp, uh, I can't move forward, right? So I want them sharp. Uh, but at the end of the day, I also believe in karma. And I believe that what you put out into the universe comes back to you. Uh, I am a product of people taking a chance on me. Uh, a young uh, mortgage broker, many moons ago, I was a telemarketer just generating leads for these guys. I was not licensed to sell mortgages. Uh, I was putting myself through college. And uh, the owner of the company, when I graduated from college, I said, hey, thanks a lot, man. I'm out of here. I'm going to go teach school. And he says, no, you're not. Let me, let me pay for your license and show you how to make some big boy money. And he did. Um, and that was the one of the turning points in my life to go from sort of just this guy kind of poking along in life to, uh-oh, I can make some serious money. Uh, and, and if he didn't do that, I don't know that my life would be what it is today. I probably would have went to go teach school. I did end up teaching school when the mortgage market fell out, but I probably would have went to go teach school and, and remained a teacher because I didn't see the fire of entrepreneurship or the want to try to give back the same way that somebody had given to me. Um, you know, I, I hate it when people say, you know, I'm too busy to help you out. No, you're not. You know, nobody's too busy uh, to point somebody in the right direction. Nobody's too busy to take a 10 minute phone call. Nobody's too busy uh, to help somebody out. And I don't know why you wouldn't want to help people out. Why wouldn't we want, you know, our associates and those people that look up to us? Why wouldn't we want them to 
to better themselves? Why would we want to keep them down? It's just not a philosophy that that I believe in. So I certainly believe in the assist and helping people out when you can and, and providing resources, pointing people in the right direction, and really hoping that they win, cheering for other people. Well, you know, you can tell that you've got a lot of compassion and that's good. You've got a big heart and I like that. And um, look, the telemarketing business is not an easy business. So whether you have a room full of people dial, outbound dialing, I have a question that wasn't one of the questions that's on here. What do you do to differentiate your telemarketing uh, so that the interruption that people get or whatever pitch it is you're making or however these people actually sound on the phone makes it different so that there's a higher probability that the person won't hang up. So that's a, it's a long question because we got to do it with intent and purpose, right? I'll give you two of my secrets and, and, okay. and, uh, and, and see, I just talked about giving people stuff for free. I normally charge for this information, but you're <laughs> going to get it, going to get it for free. Uh, there's two main components to that. The first one is, is my five keys to success. Uh, before you make a phone call, you, you need to make sure that you know what the five keys to success are. Uh, and you need to make sure that you're ready to be successful. And if you're not ready to be successful, you'll never make a phone call uh, in this building. Uh, the first one is you have to have a why. Sales is not easy. Um, so if you don't have a why of why you want to be in sales, and it's not money either. Money is not the reason. Okay. People say, because I got to make a lot of money. Well, what are you going to do with the money? Right. Well, if money was obsolete and, and the piece of paper didn't exist, why, why do you want money? Right. What's your why? Uh, but the second key to success is you are not a telemarketer. You are a consultant that happens to do work over the phone. And you have to actually believe that. And what I tell people is, is the story of the hands in my training classes. You know, the hands, if, uh, you know, if somebody who I look up to, let's just say LeBron James uh, came to me and said, hey, Derek, at 136 Eastern today, I'm going to be down the street at McDonald's, I'd love to meet you for, for a coffee. Uh, I look up to LeBron James, right? So I'm down here looking up to him and I'm going to say, you know what? Uh, I have a podcast, but I'll get right over there, Mr. James. And if he's not there at, uh, you know, two o'clock, he's late. I, I don't care. I'm still waiting for him because I got this sort of feeling that he's better than me. We're never here on the phone, even though we're telemarketers, even though we're phone consultants, we're never here. We're at least here. We're at least eye to eye. So if my buddy said, hey, meet me at 1.36 p.m., on Friday, I'm going to say, I can't, man, I'm on a podcast with Greg, right? You know, I, sorry, I got some other things and I could try to meet you over there at 2.30. And if I'm there at 2.30 and he's not there at 2.32, I'm calling him saying, yo, man, where you at? It's, it's, it's Friday. I'm trying to end my day because I see eye to eye with them. We're at least here, but really as a consultant and as a professional on the phone, we're here. We're, we're, we have the, the product that's going to take them to the next level, right? So if I tell, you know, my kids to meet me somewhere at 2.00, or my employee to meet me somewhere at two and they're not there at 202. It's a difference. It's not, hey man, where you at? It's yo, hurry up. Let's go. You know what I mean? We're here on the phone. And the reason why we're here is because we uh, we liken ourselves to Nike. I don't have to ever play basketball. I could be, you know, I am a big guy, as you can see. Uh, I could be old, I can be fat, I can be non-athletic, I could have zero legs. But if I have a shoe that will enhance LeBron James's game. Because I work for Nike, LeBron is going to take my phone call mm -hmm. because I have a product that's going to enhance him. I have to have that confidence on the phone. Uh, so, so you know, be a consultant, not a telemarketer. Knowledge is the third key to success. We've got to make sure that not only do we know our product, but we know their business as well. So in that same meeting with that Nike executive, if LeBron says, hey, I understand how this shoe helps my vertical jump, but how does this shoe uh, embrace my ankle in the middle of a crossover dribble? 
and I say, wait, explain a crossover dribble to me, Mr. James, I've lost all respect because I don't understand his business enough to be worthy of having that conversation. Uh, so knowledge and then the difference between uh, ordinary and extraordinary is obviously the extra. I need you guys to be extra uh, all day long. Uh, so the first thing is those five keys to success. But the second thing is a, is a little tool uh, that if you're in sales, you should use. And I'll give it to you uh, free of charge because Greg asked me for it. Uh, and this tool is an acronym called CLAP. So before we get into our presentation, most salespeople are just going diving right into their presentation. We're actually going to do a discovery piece by finding out what they're currently doing to solve the problem, what they like about that solution, what they would alter about that solution, and then we are painting the picture. So every single presentation is customized to, to that client. We, we are literally addressing what they are currently doing for their marketing needs. If they, if they uh, like that the, the leads come from statewide versus, uh, versus a zip code, well, hey, we can do that too, right? We have the, the knowledge to know that we, we need to enhance that piece of our presentation because they like that about their service. Uh, and, and whatever they would change or alter about their, their, present, their present solution, we're going to make sure that we show them, hey, we don't do that, right? We know that you don't like that. So for you, we're going to customize it and we don't do that. Uh, and then we're going to talk, then we're going to paint the picture after we've gotten that information. And it does two things. Number one, people like to talk. And so it gets them talking first. Uh, you know, it gets them opening up to you first because you're asking those questions in a very uh, particular way to make sure that, that they're talking. And then once they talk, that sort of gate of, of frustration that telemarketers on the, on, on the phone comes down a little bit. And they first are peeking over and they're saying, well, I currently use, you know, XYZ marketing. And well, I'll tell you what I like about it. You know, this is, well, I would change. If I had a magic wand, I'd change. And all of a sudden that gate's gone and you're in there because you're the friend. So you've made a friend with, uh, with the clap technique for sure. Well, you've uh, become vulnerable. They've become vulnerable. They're willing to become vulnerable because there's now a degree of trust associated in being able to do that. And I think uh, I would assume that you guys do it really well. Now, Derek, in the end game, you speak about the ultimate roadmap to winning at the game of life. Uh, and for everyone listening, it's different, right? Uh, whatever their win is, whatever you want to call in. What are some of the things that we need to navigate, in my estimation, to manifest a life of love, honor, truth, and excellence? Awesome question. Uh, I was just telling a young kid that I was mentoring yesterday uh, on our call that in business, some people are greedy and sharks, and others are not so greedy and they sleep very well at night. And I think that if you can sleep well at night, surrounded by people that you love, that in itself is a victory. Um, and so what does it take to get there? What does it take to uh, to have people around you and, and be surrounded by love? Well, you can't be a jerk to them because now they're not going to be around you, right? So you got to be a good husband, good father. Uh, and what does it take to sleep well at night? It means making ethical decisions. And I don't know what those decisions are because I'm not in your business and I don't live your life, but you know what they are to make sure that you sleep well at night. So if you can, if your ultimate goal is to sleep well at night, surrounded by people that you love, then I think that you've won and you've got to decide what those decisions are to get you in that place. That's a great, great answer. So three things. I always like to get my podcast listeners and wrap these podcasts up with something that's actionable. Because like, look, we can talk for 40 minutes, which we have. And in the end, it's like, hey, Derek, I want to take something away that I can apply to my life today. 
So I say, what are three things that you want the listeners uh, to leave with regarding the ultimate roadmap of winning at the game of life and how can they implement them today in their life? The first thing is I want you guys to, to mimic success. I talk about that in the book. You're not copying anything. You're, you're, it's actually a strategy to mimic success. Kobe Bryant did a phenomenal job mimicking everything that Michael Jordan did. You can YouTube the videos of, of uh, exact movements on the basketball court that Kobe studied for Michael to be great. So mimic success. If you see somebody doing something great, uh, you know, mimic it, study it, ask them. You know, it's, it, you know, if they don't give you help, we just talked about the assist. When you ask them uh, for help or ask them how they did X, Y, Z, you know, shame on them. But but Yo, ask and, and mimic Yo, success. Tony Robbins, Marion Match, NLP, you, Narrow Linguistic Programming. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> you got it. Come on, Greg. Where's the rubber uh, bands on my wrist? <laughs> <laughs> Look at mine. I got it right there. <laughs> so if you uh, if you yeah. mirror and match, mirror and That's match, right. that is yep. a mimic. That is, it a, is mimic. a mimic. You so. got a mimic success. Number one. Number two, listen, you can do anything that you want to do in this world. I promise you, specifically in this country, you can do anything that you want to do. Uh, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Uh, but if you want to go be a teacher, go be a teacher. If you want to start a podcast, go start a podcast. Uh, but do it with intent and with purpose. Don't just want to do something thinking that the end result uh, is going to be so fantastic because oftentimes the journey is much more fulfilling than the destination, uh, right? So when the LA Rams uh, just won the Super Bowl, the stories aren't going to be about holding the trophy and the champagne. The story is going to be about getting through those teams in the playoffs and, and the game and the call that should have been and wasn't. It's the journey that you're going to talk about. It's not the end game. So when you want to do something, you have to envision the entire journey because that's going to be the piece that you remember. You can do whatever you want to do, do it with purpose and do it with intent. Uh, and finally, again, I'm, I'm just a huge fan of, of giving back. Once you get there, even if you're not there yet, make sure you give back for the next generation. Make sure that you can spread some knowledge and some seeds. If you're not, uh, you know, if you're not helping the next generation, how, how what, what are we going to look like if our generation can't grow and flourish? You have the knowledge and you have the experience uh, and you've gone through these situations and you've gotten out of these situations. And, and if you don't want these young kids or, or younger generation to, to get out of those situations, then we're in trouble uh, as, a, as, a, as a being. We're in trouble as a planet. Uh, so do your job to to make sure that we continue to grow and, and continuously improve as a planet as well. And the Cincinnati Bengals were a fine team, are a fine team. And Joe Burrow has many more years to come back. You guys have quite a quarterback. I watched That's the right. game and uh, it was it was really, really well executed uh, on both sides parts. Uh, as a matter of fact, I didn't think L.A. was going to win. So I didn't either. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't. I'm sure you didn't. But at any rate, hey, Derek, a pleasure having you on Inside Personal Growth, uh, talking about your new book, Go Play. For my listeners, this is a short, sweet. You can read this on the plane from uh, a very short plane ride from, like in this case, San Diego to to uh, Phoenix. 
you would have this book completed. And there are gems right. of wisdom in here that you're going to take away. Also, go to Derek's website, uh, which is basically D-E-R-Y-C-K Richardson, R-I-C-H-A-R-D-S-O-N.com. We had a wonderful, wonderful time having you on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for uh, supporting the show as well. Uh, And thanks for those three uh, takeaways at the end here. I think for our listeners, that's going to be a wonderful way for them to like take some of this and apply it. And again, you know, a book is a book is a book, but only a book if you take something away from it and you apply it to your life. If you take one thing away from any book that's back there or the other thousand that I have here in the house, um, you know, you're you're doing good. Thanks so Thanks so much for being on Inside Personal Growth. Hey, Greg, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this podcast on Inside Personal Growth. We appreciate your support. And for more information about new podcasts, please go to InsidePersonalGrowth.com or any of your favorite channels to listen to our podcast. Thanks again and have a wonderful day.